0: Wake up every morning, and uh, if you're a sports fan, you never know what's going to happen. Most days, nothing until the evening when the games are played. Now, nah, this, we knew, it, this gonna, we knew this was going to. We
1: knew this was going to happen with baseball, though. At we this did. time of
0: year, yeah, um, you know, and uh, and there's lots more to be done. I don't know whether there's anything more to be done by the Toronto Blue Jays, but there's lots more to be done by other teams. But something happened today, and uh, we're on top of it. Our friend JP Morosi will uh, join us from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Sorry to say, and uh, we'll have discuss. you been to Ann
1: Arbor, Bob? Have you been to Ann Arbor?
0: I have not. Ann Arbor is a beautiful little town. Well, it's it really nice, is. It's in, it's in Michigan. It's it's blue and gold. We have huge audiences in Michigan. You don't want to turn them off. I have no disrespect for our audience in Michigan. Huge, huge audience. It does. It does not have the same cachet as the audience in the great state of Ohio. <laughs> Dragging me into this. We're man. we're huge. We're huge in Toledo. We're huge uh, in Dayton. JP Morosi, when we come back after these messages, McCowan and Shannon back with you. The uh, danger of uh, doing a podcast like this is is for those that aren't aware. We do not do it live. Per se. What? Why? What? You know, Seriously? We no?
1: <laughs> Seriously?
0: Well, it's live to tape. If,
1: oh, oh! You, now that's a that's an old Hollywood thing, right? Yeah oh my goodness taped in front of a live uh, taped in front of a live audience
0: a live studio audience like (laughs) carson right that's right uh but it is it is the morning of and um what we discuss now by the time you hear this may be complete nonsense so we give you fair warning but it is that time of year and this is the kind of thing that happens um jp morosi uh joins us from uh, michigan Well, yesterday we spent time talking about uh, the prospect of Freddie Freeman becoming a Toronto Blue Jay and maybe Kyle Schwarber becoming a Toronto Blue Jay. And this morning we woke up to the news that it's neither of them. It's actually Matt Chapman of the Oakland A's. Give us what you've heard in these uh, early morning hours, Mr. Morosi.
2: Well, Bob and John, always love uh, chatting with you both. Bob, I thought you were going to say joining us from the greatest city within the greatest state, but we can have that conversation later on about uh, about Michigan. I, I would say this uh, with Matt Chapman. First of all, the, the quick glib but somewhat accurate thing to say is the last time the Jays acquired Oakland's third baseman, it Josh turned Donaldson. out pretty well. Josh, <laughs> Josh Donaldson, that Donaldson,
0: Donaldson guy,
2: huh? <laughs> right, exactly. Donaldson wins the MVP in his first year with the with the Blue Jays. Um, also, Chapman. When you look at the totality of what he brings, he's coming off a tough year. He struck out more than two hundred times. It was not his finest work. He, he did have hip surgery uh, going back earlier in his career, but he is an elite defender. And when I look at this team's run prevention, Chapman at third. And Vladdy at first sounds significantly better than Vladdy at third and Freeman at first. He's a younger player than Freeman. Of course, two years of control yet. The Jays have an abundance of middle infielders in their farm system from which to trade. Uh, it, it's it's a deal that makes sense for the Toronto Blue Jays and, and makes their defense a lot better. And I think Chapman's going to be a better offensive player going forward in a lineup where, candidly, he doesn't have to carry the same burden that he did in Oakland. So I I like the deal. I would have liked Freeman for different reasons, but I really believe the Chapman fit is an obvious one and a strong one for the Toronto Blue Jays.
0: I don't disagree with anything you've said with this exception. Uh, What the Toronto, one of the things the Toronto Blue Jays have needed is a left-handed bat in their lineup. And you, you know, I don't have to explain to you the significance of that, uh, that uh, it forces other managers to make decisions and make moves it gives you a different look. And that left-handed bat in the upper part of the Blue Jays lineup would be probably significant. Chapman is a right-handed hitter, prone to striking out, did not make good contact last year, does not get a lot of singles, uh, a lot of base hits. He is principally, at the plate, a power hitter. And nothing wrong with that, except the Blue Jays have a whole team of those guys. So those are the negatives I bring on uh, to Chapman. The positive, as you um, illustrated, is he is an elite defensive third baseman. And while Freeman is a, I mean, how bad can you be at first base? Freeman's, you know, more than good enough defensively at first base. Sure. But now you have the question mark of moving Vladdy over to third. And what are the negatives defensively there? So I get what you're saying. It's an interesting alternative. Um, What are you hearing on Freeman? Um, there are a bunch of teams that have been interested in him, although there was a report, as we said, um, yesterday or the day before that the blue Jays were going to announce his signing.
2: Hmm. Freeman to me is someone who they they liked and still have a lot of regard for. Of course, as we know, both of his parents are from Ontario. His, his late mother um, certainly uh, Freddie wanted to honor her most importantly by representing Canada at the last WBC. So th- there would have been an incredible story had Freddie signed with the Blue Jays from a standpoint of his personal. Family story. I believe uh, he had talked years ago about his mother working in one of the uh, the office towers in downtown Toronto. So it was a pretty uh, remarkable story for his family. But I, I think Freeman right now, you would probably say most likely goes to the Dodgers. It's the team that is uh, still out there, and unless. The Red Sox jump in and and make a really compelling offer, which is possible now that Schwarber has gone to the Phillies. That that was other new news uh, in the morning that that Schwarber had an agreement with the Phillies. And Schwarber was a player that I thought really fit the Blue Jays as as well because he could play left field, first base, and DH. I think you're right, Bob, that there's a real dearth of of left-handed power certainly on this team and and even left-handed contact. I, I would look to the outfield, though, and but this is where it would have to be a two-part move, and I'm not sure if the Jays are comfortable doing that, and, and what I would mean by that is if you sign someone like a Michael Conforto, do you sign Conforto, and then you'd probably have to trade Gritchick or, or Guriel if you can find a way to make that money work elsewhere and, and, and move those contracts, so I think that, because you look at it, and if healthy, Springer is there, and Teasker has to be there every day. And so then the other two pieces are are Gritchick and Guriel. You can rotate through a DH at some point. To me, there's a natural place for a left-handed bat who is a left fielder slash DH. And Schwarber could have done that in addition to playing first base. So I really think the Jays' interest in Schwarber was at least as strong and perhaps even stronger than their interest in Freddie Freeman. So I think we have to wait and see what the last little piece is there. But I, I do believe, Bob, to your point, Getting a lefty bat was, is, and remains a Jay's priority, even
1: as they make the move for Matt Chapman. You know, it's interesting that uh, JP. I, I was, I did not, I, I liked Freeman. I Freeman. How do you not like Freeman? Right. Right. But I did not want Guerrero to leave first base. I just didn't. Uh, you know, there there was too many good things happening to upset the apple cart. So I, getting a, a, a solid defensive third baseman. Someone who, by the way, forget about the last third baseman that the Jays got from the A's. The last infielder the Jays got from the A's did pretty darn well too, right. in yeah. his first year after having a bad year in Oakland. And that was Marcus Simeon, right? So when you think about uh, perhaps Chapman can come into a situation in, in Toronto and hit the ball better. Uh, albeit, we know how well he can play defensively, and I think that that I think that's so important. Uh, you know, they're not going to replace the hundred the hundred and twenty five RBIs yet, but uh, they're going to improve themselves defensively, right. and I think that's important.
2: Well, and I think too, just to piggyback on that, the the importance of the defense. You've got at least two left-handers in the rotation, in in Kikuchi and Ryu, and neither one is really known as, as a strikeout pitcher per se. And mm. so when you think about that, a lefty pitcher, you're going to face a lot of righty bats. The ball's going to be in play a fair amount, and it's going to probably be in play on the ground. And, and you think about Chapman and how well he would work with Boba chat It just, it really, especially when you need to rely on Ryu and Kikuchi, it, it is a really strong way to orient your run prevention. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about how this team's going to come together. You look at again, Kikuchi was a great move to add him. Gossman, of course, as we've talked about before, there's just there's a lot of really exciting developments with this team. And and while last year was disappointing, coming uh, just a, a win or two shy of the playoffs and going on to see a team that won one fewer game in Atlanta, winning the World Series, um, it, it's a really good storyline. Even as they've lost Robbie Ray this offseason, you, you look at the the players out players in. Yes, they've lost Ray. Yes, they lost Semyon, But they've brought in. Gossman, Kikuchi, now Chapman, it's a really competitive team in in what should be a very balanced division as well. Not to beat a dead horse, uh, but as a third
1: baseman, is the artificial turf an advantage or a disadvantage?
2: Well, that's a great question, John, because obviously Chapman is someone who has, uh, in the past, I alluded to the surgery that he had, and and the turf can be a challenge. There's no question about that. I, I also think that the turf at Rogers Center today is is different and better than it was 10 and 15 years ago. Oh, I think sure. it's, easy, yeah. it's much easier on your body. So I, I think that would hopefully help Matt out a little bit. And, and I think it's crucial that they've got, and this is where a, a player like Biggio is important, Espinal is important, to spot them in here and there in, in, in different spots. I, I think it was not going to be tenable for them to have – both Biggio and Espinal playing every day. But now if they're going to share time at second base in something of a utility role for either, I I think that's a a very workable scenario for the Blue Jays.
0: Um, I suspect there are not many Oakland A's fans watching or listening to this broadcast. However, you have to feel a little sympathetic Mm. to that fan base. If you consider that over the last 14 months or so, I don't know the exact time frame, They've lost three-quarters of their infield. Right. Uh, well, not lost, but traded away three-quarters of their
2: An- – Another rebuild in the Bay. It is. That's how they've and, – and to piggyback on that point, Bob, as well, uh, Oakland and Cincinnati both have been the, the, the major sellers this week. Um, Oakland has had success with this mentality in the past. They've, they've drafted well, they've been able to replenish with some of the players they've gotten back in these trades. Obviously the the irony is Donaldson arrived in a similar type of a situation they they got Donaldson from Chicago for rich Harden years and years ago, of course, rich Harden, great Canadian pitcher, uh, and, and they get end up getting Donaldson. And then years later, they trade Donaldson. It's, it's how Oakland does business. Cincinnati, it's maybe a mo- bit more dramatic because they haven't gone this route in the past. And it would not surprise me at all if, before Eugenio Suarez and, and Jesse Winker were traded to Seattle, if that same package of players, the Suarez contract, of course, he plays their base. Winker, lefty bat, plays the outfield. I would expect that same package was discussed with Toronto before they ended up uh, moving to Seattle. And one final point on lefty bats, I I, I mentioned ideas of of how they could potentially bring in a a bat and then maybe trade a a Guriel or a a Grichuk. One name to watch there, Eddie Rosario. I've heard his name mentioned before. Eddie Rosario, of course, a hero for the Braves last year in the playoffs. He bats left-handed. From Puerto Rico, of course, Charlie Montoya knows him through those connections. I, I do think Eddie Rosario is one more name to watch very carefully there for the Jays in the outfield.
0: Uh, another name linked to the Blue Jays. I mean, there's been plenty. And, and we, we caution fans, not, and I, I think they probably know, that at this time of year, everybody's got a rumor they're flying all over the place. Sure. And, and even more so this year, though, Bob. When you think about this short window
1: after the collective bargaining yeah. agreement was signed, and where there's all everybody's supposed to be in either Arizona or Florida within the next five or six days. I mean, this is this is this is like opening the doors at Philead's basement.
2: Yeah, basically, guys. <laughs> I I haven't been sleeping because I I uh, I I've got this plus the NHL trade deadline. So this oh, is like yeah. my I'm favorite week of oh, year. JP, all the, come the same on, don't time, get, Bob.
0: Bob also, is so have, excited about that de- please deadline. Please do not try and link the <laughs> NHL trade deadline to what is going on in baseball right now, as if there's some kind of parallel. Feels
2: very similar to me, Bob. But I, I'll I'll set that aside, my friend. Yeah, this, but, is, this is this is yeah, your radio just, program. I'm just I'm just a guest.
0: <laughs> have, have your encyclopedia at hand, because ninety nine percent of the deals that take place, you'll have to go to the book and say, "Who the hell's that guy?"
1: It's okay, JP. You, on Monday, you can we can just call offline, okay? And then we that's can right. talk. That's well, yeah. right.
2: I'm gonna I, I'm gonna be texting John throughout the day to get his analysis, so I can, <laughs> so I can sound intelligent. It's, it's more more intelligent than I deserve uh, when talking to my Red Wings uh, colleagues here. In even
0: a hockey puck like hey. Shannon will have to have that book at hand to go. Hey, by, by the way, speaking of Cincinnati, uh,
1: what does this mean for Joey Votto? Yeah,
2: that's a great question, John, because he certainly is someone that uh he he's a, a left-handed he's a left-handed yeah. bat at a first base wow mm, mm, right mm. <laughs> i i still don't think that he becomes a blue jay now now it would just be too complicated oh not You'd now have, you know no not no not now.
1: now i'm just but i i just wonder with all these with, with everything that's gone on in cincinnati how do, how do you look him in the eye and say by the way stick with us one more it's time hard.
2: i think he's got what, two more years left on his deal he had a really nice year last year. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, they really thought they were close to breaking through. Uh, Castellanos had a tremendous year. Uh, Jesse Winker again has really improved in, in recent years. They just they couldn't get close enough to really make a lot of noise down the stretch here, in, in certainly in 2021. So it's tough uh, because I, for me, Joey Votto's a Hall of Fame player, and he's now looking at the reality of, of probably never getting out of the first round of the playoffs as a member of the Reds. Uh, do, does he get traded somewhere? Maybe one of the teams that that uh, that is looking at Freeman now and doesn't get him would make that move, but he still has a lot of money doing his contract. He's an older player, uh, difficult perhaps to to get a team to take on a lot of money for an older player. But he's he had a tremendous year last year, and I think you're right, John. You, your heart goes out to him because he's been such a classy person in the game. I always enjoy my conversations with Joey, and certainly it's it's a tough tough way for him to begin the season in Cincinnati after what was a really resurgent year for him in 2021. With JP
0: Morosi. Uh, so now that the Oakland A's have become the official farm team of the Toronto Blue Jays, hmm. um, I want to take a second and compare the, the A's to the Tampa Bay Rays, two teams that have economic challenges and who are not afraid to move players. And while the A's almost always have are surprisingly good, Tampa Bay is, has always been kind of a notch above. How do you compare the styles and the theories um, of those two teams? Are they, they're similar, but they're not identical, JP?
2: Correct. Uh, and you're right. Uh, I think Tampa, Tampa has a, a unique brand. I mean, their front office is arguably the best front office in sports. When you think about what they've been able to do in that division you think about the Red Sox and Yankees and the Jays, really, with, with all right. of the, the payroll and market advantages that they all have. And the Rays are the team that's probably won the most games in that division in the last couple of years. And, and even going back further than that, um, they just make really, really good decisions. And they've been able to, I think, more many more times than not, find undervalued players elsewhere. Uh, Randy Rosarena is, is one such example. They also, I think, have been more active internationally than Oakland has been, and, and Juan or Franco was part of that in the recent group. They've also made some very good trades uh, to get some impactful arms. Uh, Drew Rasmussen is another example. Um, they're similar. I just think Tampa Bay, they've just been a little bit better at identifying the under the undervalued players elsewhere. The Oakland doesn't have a Randy or Rosarena on their roster right now. And also to your point, Bob, they've been able, I think Tampa, to their credit, has been able to avoid having to take the dramatic teardown. It's as though Tampa will make a move, they'll trade an Evan Longoria, and they stay good. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's it's they never they never really go all in in terms of totally stretching their payroll beyond what it should be and so that means they never have to have that that down cycle they they stay for a team that has a very structured payroll they stay incredibly disciplined and consistent year after year I think it's one of the great stories in sports I, I know we all wish they had a new ballpark and and certainly w- we would have loved to have seen that the, the Montreal idea work but um hold on hold on, hold on. you would have You would have liked to have seen it work. I mean, that that 50-50 half pregnant thing. Well, it's better for for Montreal. It's better to have mm. half a season than no season. I, I think. I mean, that's that's how I would look at it. But but and I think economically, it would have been great for the team that they would have been able to their media revenues would have would have expanded. They would have been able to sell them certainly in in Montreal, across Canada, and English and French, and, and obviously still keep their their rights in Tampa Bay. So, from an economic standpoint, it would have been a win. It would have brought baseball to more places. But in general, their ability to succeed, despite the lack of clarity on their ballpark, I, I just think is, is extraordinary. They've just been a little bit better than Oakland. They've been a little bit better than a lot of teams uh, here in the last several years.
0: Well, they are the two franchises that we talk most about in terms of relocation and potential. And uh, I guess the most likely destination, I don't know what you think, JP, but the most likely destination for the A's, if in fact they do relocate. And I think that almost has to be an inevitability. Um, would be vegas and what would be intriguing there is that vegas would then have taken the two major professional sports franchises away from uh, the city of oakland
2: that would be remarkable having now moved right no that's a great point bob and certainly you know that market very well and and for me a couple things stand out number one i really believe oakland is going to have a, a a really thorough look at this new potential downtown east bay site this is probably their last chance at it, candidly. Uh, the, the, the lease has been extended on the Coliseum for another couple few years, but it's not forever. And it, it's interesting to me that, that basically with both the Rays and the A's, they have only a few years left on their current deals with their, with their stadiums. The, the stadium deals will likely begin to conclude either during or right after the current CBA, which tells me you want to resolve those two situations. And once you do that, you go to 32 teams. And, and I think Las Vegas is a great case. I think Nashville is a great case. Uh, we could still see Montreal get involved in some way, shape, or form. Charlotte, whether it's Austin, Portland maybe. But I, I really believe that to your point, Bob, Vegas, if, if there is if there is a 32-team Major League Baseball by the end of this decade, so by the start of 2030, if they get to 32 teams, which I believe is a good chance that it will, I will be stunned if there is not a team in Vegas. Stunned. And, and whether they go, the one irony is, Bob, is, as you know, they just built that new minor league facility in Summerlin, which I heard is really good. I've not been there myself, but I've heard it's excellent. I'm not sure what you do with that, but it, it does sound to me like uh, Vegas and baseball have a chance to work exceptionally well. Well, you can have a minor league facility
0: for, for spring training and whatever. And and have a major league stadium. I mean, look at the uh, the Tampa Bay, Clearwater, St. Pete area.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You know that's been the home, one Mm -hmm. of the homes of uh, of spring baseball for years. And And JP,
1: uh, look what the White Sox did in Glendale. Uh, Right. I mean, holy, so that thing in Glendale, it's it's like a shopping mall.
2: (laughs) It's well, it's excellent. And and listen, there's there are you know spring training has its own ability to bring in revenues. And I, I had somebody mention this to me the other day. You think about. If if and I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but if there, if there's a team in Vegas, whether it's Oakland relocating or an expansion team, and if you if you realign the divisions now that the DH is universal and mm-hmm. you could put Vegas, Dodgers, Angels, Padres, or however you want to arrange it, you know, Vegas, Giants, Dodgers, Padres, whatever it might be, think about you're a Padre fan, you're a Giant fan, you're a Dodger fan, you're an Angels fan, and your team's going to Vegas for the weekend. Mm-hmm. You fly in, you stay, you go to the game. It's just, it's going to be, it it is going to be an incredible advantage for baseball, especially as, as we see more, um, more sports betting partnerships. There's just, it it is a natural fit from a marketing standpoint. And from a revenue standpoint, yeah, I think in some ways it it makes perhaps even more sense geographically than hockey has made and hockey has been in this tremendous success in Vegas. And you could have, visiting fans, you know, come for three games. If you're a Dodger fan or if you're a Giant right. fan, Padres, Angels as opposed to the one game if it's hockey. So it's just it's a tremendous boon really for revenues and and I I have every expectation that we'll see a team in Vegas eventually.
0: Have you uh, have you made it to Vegas for a hockey game yet, JP? I
2: have. Love it. Yeah.
0: Great atmosphere. Well, and one of the intriguing things is as you as you walk around the arena, outside the arena before a game, there seem to be there are hundreds, even thousands, I don't know, about thousands, but there are a whole bunch of you will see people with regaled in the jerseys or paraphernalia of the visiting team sure all the time and i know that invariably there are a million tourists in vegas at at, at any one time these are people that could be there just because it that their vacation matched up but there are a lot of fans that will travel oh, um, sure. to vegas for a hockey game because Okay, we're going to go to Vegas, and by the way, our team is playing, so we'll get tickets for that game too. And, and by the way,
1: Vegas still, hotel prices are more reasonable than any other vacation area you can go to. I mean, Hawaii 100%. or Mexico, or I mean, you know, you'll be paying five $600 for a hotel in Hawaii. You might go to Vegas for a 99 bucks.
0: Yeah, true. Uh, before we get off uh, baseball and the Blue Jays. Um... Oh, he is going to talk about the trade deadline, J.P. Oh, he is. Well, no, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready going with to, some thoughts. I'm, I'm going to leave and thoughts. let you two idiots talk about <laughs> it. Is there anything left for the Blue Jays to do now? I mean, they, among the, the players they've been linked to is Ken Lee Jansen. And I'm, I mean, we've watched him a lot the last few years. Well, you watch him all the time because the Dodgers are in the postseason. I mean, this, he's a relief pitcher. And I have no trust in relief pitchers. Um, and I don't know where Kenley Jansen is right now. I know two, three years ago, he was the guy. He was at or near the top of the food chain among relief pitchers. Now I don't know. What do you think? And would that be a wise
2: acquisition? I I do. Obviously, it depends on where the dollars and years are. Certainly, we saw Kenley reinvent himself at multiple different times the last couple of years, and Dave Roberts has really managed him exceptionally well uh, as someone who was the closer, at least in name, even as sometimes he lost that mantle temporarily. Um, I think Kenley is someone who would have a lot of value to a team in Toronto that's trying to rebuild its bullpen certainly uh it was a, it was a weakness last year just because of injury and and inconsistency of both performance and health mm-hmm. there was a real revolving door there especially in the first half of the season so I, I think getting one more reliever back there who has a lot of experience um whether it is Jansen or someone else who has closed who has been in the playoffs a lot i think has tremendous value just in terms of stability and and that's where it comes down to the communication having to be really robust with with Pete Walker, with Charlie Montoyo about exactly what the role is going to be and in days when he might not necessarily be the closer and, and what's expected in terms of communicating with his teammates as well. I think if you bring in Kenley Jansen, it's not just because of what he could do in the ninth inning, it is the stability and and influence he would provide for the rest of what has been a somewhat transient bullpen. So I, I think Kenley is, a, is, a, is absolutely a guy to look at and someone that I think would really give in, give a lot of value to the Jays beyond whatever his stats say that he does in 2022. So here's what scares
1: me about him. It's the same thing that scared me about Freeman. Is If, if he's available, why wouldn't an organization as progressive as the Dodgers, in his case, or in the case of the Braves with Freeman, why are they going away? Why are they getting out of that business? Why are they not signing them again? Why are what what's going on that he doesn't fit into the Dodger plans? Why doesn't Freeman fit into the Braves plans? That concerns me.
2: No, it's a fair point, John, and, and I think that uh, perhaps when you're around a player who's getting up there in years, uh, as both Kenley and Freddie are, you maybe tend to see the flaws. Obviously, you're aware of every. Medical thing that has gone on during the course of their careers, which sometimes can color your perspective on them. Mm. But it's it's a very fair point. And, and Kenley has had diminished velocity at different times. He's had to find different ways. To restore that velocity mechanically, uh, he's he's been through a lot, and certainly there was the heart issue he went through a number of years ago that is still part of uh, I think his awareness, and uh, obviously everybody's concerned for him and his well-being. So th- there are certainly elements of risk there, but he's also someone who is never afraid of the big stage because he's been on it so many times, and mm-hmm. I I really believe that he might have greater value, John and Bob, to a different team than he would have right now to the Dodgers is because he his experience to the Dodgers isn't that significant. They just won the World Series two years ago. They've got a lot of pitchers who have experience, uh, whereas I think that same level of experience would be probably much more valuable to a club like the Blue Jays going forward. We were going to take a break, and then
0: um, I'm going to leave, of course, and, and let the two hockey pucks chat because uh, we, we sort of informally promised Morosi that we, he wouldn't have to do baseball. He'd get a chance to talk hockey, which no one else I, I apparently will let him do
2: that was part of the agreement actually Bob yes, <laughs> so
0: we'll take the break come back with more JP Morosi is our guest back after this McCowan Shannon and Morosi are um, are with you well we've gone through our baseball segment and now briefly a look ahead to trade deadline in the National Hockey League um, <laughs> I turn it over to my friend mr. Shannon to initiate a conversation that I probably will ignore go ahead
1: no, I Bob you're so good at this. Bob you 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 make so many good points about trade deadline and how elite well, players don't make big trades happen at the at the or at least make their teams better at this time of year. It's just, you know, nuts and bolts. That's all it is at trade deadline. But I mean, people get excited about nuts and bolts, don't they, JP?
2: Of course we do. And by the way, I have to uh, as before we totally leave baseball behind, uh, yeah. our, our friend Shai Davidi did. Re- he was the first to report the full, uh, the full package going back to Oakland in the Chapman deal. Oh, good. The, the, the players Toronto was sending: Kevin Smith, Gunnar Hoagland, Zach Logue, and Kirby Snead. So importantly, you know, Smith was one of the Jays' top ten prospects according right. to MLBPipeline.com, but not one of their top five.
1: So remind me, Smith was one of the guys they kind of platooned at third base for a while last year, wasn't he? Right. So he's
2: an infielder. Exactly. So he's and this is where they have the ability because they have I counted this morning, like seven of their top 10 prospects are middle infielders, including Otto Lopez, for example, so that they're able to trade from this depth of of middle infielders and make a deal like this happen with Chapman. So I'm I'm uh, curious to see how it all plays out. But the, the key thing is I think Jays fans should be happy with both the player they got and the price they paid. So that's that's my my final sort of closing thought on the on the Jays Chapman trade. Now, on to hockey because I know Bob really wants to hear me say this. I first of all, the Jay, the, the 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 Leafs the Leafs goaltending situation solved Totally good. Chagrin is the man. I yeah, think no. that you can plan, plan the parade right now. What a, it's <laughs> an it's an amazing it's an amazing thing just to for me to watch sort of from a little bit of distance. Just how hard it is to be the Leafs goaltender. I mean that, that is the the amount of pressure on these on these players is is pretty intense, and I, I really think there there is a lot of. Uh, uh, tension, pressure, whatever you want to call it, on, on the Leafs' goaltending situation. And and maybe having this fresh face come up, 25 years old, uh, look good, obviously, in his in his first game, 4-0 win over Dallas. I don't know, John, what do you think? Is, is he the answer?
1: <laughs> no. And I suspect that Kyle's on the phone as we speak trying to find some way <laughs> to get another full-time goaltender because th- w- what we do know is that the former Red Wing, Peter Morozik, is not the answer. He's not That's the, the answer. The, and he wasn't the answer when they signed him. And, and it's, it's it, it was one of the more curious signings in the offseason uh, that they thought that Peter Morazic was going to be the backup because Jack Campbell was going to be the starter, uh, that Peter Morazic would play 30 to 35 games, and he just can't. He's, he's, so, he's a streaky goaltender, and right now he's in one of those streaks where he can't stop a beach ball.
2: He well and, and, and to me – And and this is something that really it it almost transcends hockey, transcends uh, any particular team. But I love watching teams in any sport and certainly in hockey for whom you can tell they are all in right now. Mm -hmm. And and this is a team that you have to at least win one playoff series or maybe two, because if if you don't, then then take a step back and say, what are we what are we doing here? We, we've kept this core together year after year after year, one of the most expensive groups of forwards in the, in the NHL, and they can't win in the playoffs unless, of course, that changes this year. So what do you then do? So it's just it's this maximum uh, convergence of expectations, talent, of course, the history of the organization, all those things that we love about talking about this team. But, guys, it, it is fascinating when a team is all in and has to be all in because if they fall short, if, if they don't win the first round again, there, there's no way that all four of those forwards can come back next year and, and say that let's run it all back again. And it was and to say, well, it was goaltending that was the problem. I I I <laughs> what, how can they what, say that? How can how well, can they go with let, that approach? I, okay, when you let said me
0: jump
1: in here. When you no hold on but when you said four, I thought you were talking about the four people in the front office too. But that's no, okay. I
2: was talking about the big four forwards on the yes. the, the, the front <laughs> office, the, the front office is much more of a John Shannon Bob McCowan purview than, than what I can say from Ann Arbor, I would say.
0: Well, give me a list of the goaltenders that the Toronto Maple Leafs might be looking at. No, there's only one guy on the list. You think it's Flurry? Yeah,
2: it's the only guy on the list.
0: That's what I think. I mean, there's no list.
2: There's and how, and there, guy. that's why yeah. I asked the question. And how how easily could they possibly fit him into the into the cap? Oh, I, I that that's a big challenge. And who could they also, try to make it work?
1: Plus, plus, they also have to get flurry's permission
0: to do it
2: and and they need a defenseman
0: because that's right well you
2: look at all these different things and you start going down the list guys wait a sec
0: if the goaltender isn't a sieve you don't need a defenseman Uh, see i'm
1: still on the jack campbell semi bandwagon jp i still get off of that i still think that they're going to they're going to sit with jack campbell and think that he's the right guy and they're what they're trying to find is some insurance because i think they realize that morazic is not the insurance and shalgren as much as Kyle Dubas probably slept for the first time in a week last night after the game. Uh, you know, that's 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 a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous road to go down if you're thinking that this guy can be your goaltender of record.
2: Right. It's just, it's, and, and here's the thing, too. It, we go back. I, I know the way that the season is playing out is frustrating and, and almost panic-inducing for Leafs fans. But from my removed perspective on this, I realize what happened last year against Montreal happened. But right. if, if Tavares isn't hurt in the first five minutes of game one, they probably win that series. They probably win it in five games. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's, it, there's, this is why it's such an interesting story because you have to say what's real and what would be an overreaction. I mean, th- that team, and, and it's been now borne out that Montreal team was not especially good last year. <laughs> they, they obviously relied a lot on Carey Price and a lot on Shea Weber, and they're not new to the same team right now. And yet they found a way to beat Toronto minus John Tavares. So there's just, there are so many layers to this. Uh, I'm a huge fan, huge fan. We talked about him before. Matthew Nyes is a, is a player. Mm -hmm. I I would not trade him in any circumstance. I I think Matthew Nyes could potentially play and contribute in the NHL this year. He is that good. I don't know if he's going to sign right now, but I think he is good enough to do that. And, uh, and maybe the Leafs will feel, more comfortable moving somebody if they feel as though once the gopher season is done that they're going to get nice it's just it's an interesting conversation based on the cap and how they handle things going forward
0: well look at the Toronto Maple Leafs are not the only team looking at this time of year every team is looking to improve and most of them will be unable to do so but give me both of you give me your speculation on the biggest names that you would expect to move Giroux
1: is going to go I mean, Claude Giroux, who's you know a very expensive player, uh, will play his 1,000th game this week for the Philadelphia Flyers as a Flyer and then be traded within 72 hours of that great milestone. He's the biggest name in it, and it certainly looks like uh, with what Joe Sackick is doing in Colorado, he, you know, he, he got some cap space. He got rid of one of his centers in Tyson Jost to go to Minnesota yesterday uh, it certainly looks like he's trying to get everything aligned so he can get Claude Giroux into that lineup for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Don't you think, JP? I
2: agree. I, I think that's that to me is is the move that's been telegraphed. Uh, I think we're all expecting it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I would say that Colorado has to be viewed as the front runner to get Giroux. He makes a ton of sense there. I think he would really take that team from a, a cup contender to a cup. Favorite, perhaps, when you look at the way this team is playing right now. Um, I also think Klingberg is, is a guy to watch, obviously, very carefully in, in, in Dallas and where he might go. Um, I think a lot of teams, a lot of teams do need defense. Um, and there's certainly a lot of defense out there. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll be curious to kind of see how how that next tier of defensemen down. Certainly, we saw Ben Sherat be scratched. I think that's probably an, an inevitable trade where he ends up going. And But I I think if I'm the Leafs, I'm looking at just as much at defensemen as I am at goaltending. Yes, I no, think that's, you're right. They have to do that. And and one name, again, we talked a little parochially on my part about Detroit. I, I think Mark Stahl, his value in the marketplace, he's not earning a huge right now. I think Stahl has... Probably at least as much value in the marketplace as, as Mark Giordano, who's gotten a bit more attention on Mark, but I, uh, on Giordano. But I, I think Stahl is someone that probably has uh, a bit more value because of where his price point is, and I think he's actually uh, probably outperformed Giordano this year in terms of how he's playing uh, in Detroit versus Giordano's performance with Seattle. I, I and I, I think
1: your 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 thought process on Giordano is that he's just too expensive. Even you know he's I think he's at six and a half million dollars as a cap hit. So even in the short term of uh, March 21st till April 30th, it's still a very expensive move to try to fit him under any cap. Um, I look, Mark Giordano is a competitor. He's not a number one defenseman anymore, but uh, and he can help somebody. But you're going to have to make sure. And what what's going to have to happen then is you're going to have to be doing that a, a real retain
2: salary and moving uh, and th- around th- and, and
1: have a third team and have a third team involved, which is, which, uh, which I think will end up being what Ron Francis becomes a third team in, in Seattle. Uh, Steve Iserman, a third team in Detroit, Bill Armstrong, a third team in Arizona. I think that those are the guys that are going to end up deciding whether trade deadline isn't really exciting. or busy or just a, an accounting move for a lot of teams.
2: Right. And, and of course, Chickering. obviously there was a, you know, a, Reports on varying degrees of his severity of his, uh, of his injury. And certainly there's been a ton of focus on Chikrin um, in the last several weeks. He's another name to watch. And of course, yeah, the but, difference but, between him and Klingberg is he's got control. You don't right, have to right. trade him right now.
1: The thing about, the thing about Klingberg in Dallas, though, is that Meryl Heiskinen has mononucleosis. Uh, and how, how long does it take to get over mononucleosis? And the answer is you just don't know. No, no. You don't know, and Miro Iskinen is a superstar, and Klingberg is is not, but he's very, very good uh, in the short term. Dallas needs to keep every person on that roster in order just to make the playoffs. So I think what they're going to have to do is sacrifice Klingberg's um, free agency in order to try to get into the playoffs. I Mm -hmm. think that's the big part. That's
2: tough. And and I think one team I'm watching a lot, the next few days is, is Vancouver. Are they, are they in, are they out? Of course, new leadership, great new front office. What is their plan here? What, what is, is Miller available? Is Besser available?
1: Miller's not, there's not, there's no chance that they can get rid of JT Miller. There's no chance. They, I mean, listen, they won again. They won again uh, last night. The, the, there is a real feel that, hey, this team and, and our, and you know, Bob's buddy, Bruce Boudreau, has done a marvelous job in Vancouver. Um, Miller's a cornerstone guy. He's, a, he's worked himself into being a core guy. Now they
0: have to sign him long-term. That's what they have to do. Well, I would say to you two guys, and I don't know whether you agree or disagree, that probably Jimmy Rutherford sitting there for the last few months, you know, went to Vancouver, understood, accepted, that he was going to have to rebuild this franchise, at least make significant changes, and now all of a sudden, he wakes up and says, uh, "I'm you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna break this train before it gets to the next station because they're not out of the playoff picture no, by any no, stretch right, of the imagination,
2: right. on the periphery, but they're they're not out of it, and, and I think to your point, to John's point earlier, I've had that thought that if if the U.S had been able to have a best on best, if we'd had a best on best Olympics, Miller is probably on that team. I mean, he's, he's, he's that good sure. of a player, even at a time when I have to make this point And, and, uh, as, as, the, as a proud American hockey person right now, last I checked nine of the top 21 goal scorers in the NHL are American nine of the top 21. That's pretty good. Pretty good.
0: Well, yes, JP, there's no doubt that Americans are taking over the game of hockey.
2: I well uh, I didn't say a, just, that. I just just
0: as Canadians are taking over the game
1: of basketball.
2: The game of basketball. By the well,
1: way, uh, I'd, I I would be more proud of your goaltending than I would have been about
2: your prowess of yeah, scoring. I but I think you look at the guys that weren't uh, Kyle Connor didn't even make the World Junior team, and look no. and look at him now. What a, a great player! Debrinket Debrinket was was cut from his second World uh, World Junior team, and look at where he is right now. I mean, this, yeah, that speaks that that speaks to USA Hockey and their judgment of players. They, they, still, they still want a gold medal. They still want a gold medal think By the way, the the the, the time to break it was cut. That was 2017. They won a gold medal, and that team had Troy Terry who no one thought was going to be as good as he is right now. Right. Um, right. So that they're getting better and better year after year. It's It's been a, a pretty fun thing to watch.
0: See, this is exactly what happens, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> when you get two hockey pucks together and you challenge them to discuss the trade deadline. They they dabble on the fringes of it for about three seconds and then immediately morph into other conversations. Sure, nothing to do with the trade deadline. Hey, we also
2: cover. just talked about where the where the Montreal Expo should be playing. All these different things. I mean, we we've, well, we've kind of as Bob, when you have me on the show, you have to realize that we don't follow. Wait, where's my rundown? Did John mail it to my house? I mean, what, what am I we supposed to be we following? Don't have no we can rundown.
1: And we and we haven't talked about how how uh, Jim Harbaugh became the first uh, you know oh my uh, college football coach to hire a female graduate assistant. Well, and what a great story!
2: It's, it is a great story, and and we are we are first in 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 really in <laughs> setting that standard, Bob. I'm proud to be here in Ann Arbor. Jim Harbaugh made the right hire right there. I'm a proud proud Michigander on that news, and and uh, I think Michigan's superiority is now. Uh, uh, not even in doubt at this point in time, Bob. Bob,
1: JP's got to go. Okay, he's got right, other okay. things to do. Yeah, JP's gentlemen. Uh,
2: as as always, uh, lo- love the conversation. There's <laughs> there's the Buckeyes logo. Uh, I, I send my best wishes to all uh, of you for the for the remainder of this hot stove season and the NHL. And and,
1: and by and by the way, I got to tell you, this is the quietest your house has been in about three times. This is what is going on here. I'm not used so, to this. You, you know what's going on right
2: now? All three of my kids are at school. And many go. times we've been doing this when there's been either at home school, snow <laughs> day, whatever yeah, it was. But, but then is... you
1: you speak Italian to them, oh, and then course. you're giving them fruit roll-ups. You know, there's, right. always, I mean, right. there's always. I it mean, it's fantastic. something going on around here. JP <laughs> JP Morosi's Parenting 101. It's fantastic.
2: <laughs> All Goodbye, the best, Morosi. Thank you. All the best. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys.
0: John Paul Morosi, back after these messages. Well, thanks to uh, Morosi. So uh, will, you, will, will you will you yes. will you will this be constituted for
1: you as a baseball show or a hockey show?
0: Well, uh, clearly there was far more informative and intelligent conversation on the baseball side <laughs> than on the hockey side, which was really just. And this always happens when we get to this time of year. Yes. Uh, you know, I I I tell people over and over again there is no more overrated thing in in all of sports than the hockey trade deadline and i've said this for 20 years and yet the same thing happens over and over and over again and i gave you two hockey yeah. puck numbskulls an opportunity to talk about trade deadline in a real way
1: well and- we gave you the big name we get, we said who was going to be traded and where he was going we did that bang
0: right out of the hopper there we did that you couldn't carry on a conversation for three minutes on the topic and you got flying off into the <sighs> distance. And that's exactly what's going to happen on trade deadline day on TSN, on Sportsnet. It has happened over and over and over again. There isn't enough to carry was... three minutes of conversation. And those two numbskull networks are going to try and carry eight, 10 hours. I was going to propose that we
1: do an extended three-hour version of the podcast Monday live, live, that's not happening live. You know, and then we can wax poetic about that trade in 1964.
0: If that's what you want to do, you just demonstrated your complete and utter inability to execute that plan. With Morosi, who was more than a willing um, participant. You know, John, John, you know
1: those rock stars that always wanted to be baseball players and the baseball versa, players? Yeah. Yeah, baseball players that wanted to be musicians. John Morosi is a baseball guy that wants to be a hockey guy so oh, badly, I, yeah, so I badly. So. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. But he loves his, he loves his U.S. college uh, hockey, and he, and oh, he, he likes lo- everything. No, but, and, but uh, and he loves like international hockey. He was he was he was on his way to Edmonton and Red Deer. Uh, within 48 hours of the World Junior Hockey Championships being shut down. He wanted to be there for that whole concept of what was going to happen in World Junior Hockey and was so looking forward to being in Alberta over
0: Christmas holidays. <laughs> he just loves it. Well, I know. And here you are again promoting the sport that you love the most.
1: I lo- no, and, and you know, here's well you the thing. You are deal. in fact.
0: You're telling you know what? you're telling story hockey stories.
1: i know I'm telling Morosi okay. stories. I'm telling Morosi stories.
0: Well, no, telling Morosi stories. We could talk
1: about the day that John and his dad came into the studio and his dad has never forgotten meeting you. We could talk about that too. You don't remember that, do you? I don't remember that <laughs> No, I know. <don't. laughs> Shazam, not surprised. What did you have for lunch yesterday?
0: I don't know yeah <laughs> actually people would be shocked that I, and it's a it's a oh. true story i mean i can't tell you the number of times i would get home after doing a show when we're on radio and television and we'd have company or my ex would say well who was on the show today and I'd go, i go <laughs> "Well, like 20 it's- minutes 20 minutes after we shut the microphones no. off i i i, I couldn't rec- recall for everybody
1: who's listening, just understand one thing. We, we try to do a, a simple schedule of guests and recording time for this podcast. And, and, and by the time the show is over and we sign off, the last thing we say to each other, Bob will say, uh, what time tomorrow? And the producer will say, we're doing Kelly Rudy tomorrow afternoon at 2.30 Eastern. Okay. Okay. Click, goodbye, see you tomorrow. And then, invariably, the morning of the show, there will be seven texts. What are we doing today? Yeah. When are we doing it today? I mean, yeah. in, in one area, one out, out the other.
0: That's what it is. Well, I don't understand it, to tell you the truth. I mean, I, I have a selective memory, I think. I think I, I, yeah. I have some kind of innate ability to remember things that are important. <laughs> But other things I forget. But,
1: but you, you can tell me what was on the buffet uh, at the Sky Dome on opening day in
0: 1994. Well, not exactly, but you know what I mean. You get my point. Well, I, there are th- yes. You, you, I, I, I guess my I, my brain does not have the capacity to remember all of the insignificant little events. that Yeah, seem like so when so we're when we're doing you.
1: When, no, yeah, when when we're recording the show <laughs> and who the guest is. <laughs>
0: As a general rule, I know that I can find that out at some point before it happens. I mean, have I ever been late for a show? No. No. What I've been—I be- actually been beating you for the last couple of weeks. Well, I'm just not inclined to get on earlier because, well, for, the, for, you know, the for natter- a year, the, the nattering. Well, for a year, I'd sit here with Hugh and and he and Hugh's I. He's our producer, our, by our the producer, way, Hugh's and, our and sit and chat while we looked at our watch and said, "Well, I wonder if Shannon's coming." You were the last minute arrival for a long oh, time. Oh, yeah, I just no, finally no. said, "Well, the hell with it. I'm not. I'm just going to get here." One well, then, so you, time you like I
1: used to. You and I, yes, I know. Or you'd sit in the sit in your office and. Uh, you good with Chapman? Yeah, I am actually, because I uh, and we've talked about it three times this week, Bob. Is that I did not want to move Laddie Guerrero. Oh, no, I know first you didn't. I know I didn't. I, 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 I just I... I mean it's it's too it's too nice a situation. I don't want him to be worried about playing defense.
0: Uh, I understand that. But you see, like, let me give you a perfect example. The Braves have clearly replaced Freeman with Olson. Yes. If the Blue Jays had acquired Olsen, I wouldn't be happy. Because uh, in moving Vladdy over to third. Freeman is another level. Because he was left-handed? Well, because he's left-handed and because he has power and he has um, a better average, he can, he he does everything better. He is a player that will make, I don't know, twice as much as Olsen. And, and it's Mm -hmm. based on his performance. Mm -hmm. So that was a player that raised a Spocky and eyebrow for me. And I said, you know, in that circumstance, I I'm moving Guerrero to third base. Uh, now apparently we're not gonna we're not gonna be faced with that you question know. mark and and that's fine that's good and it's quite just, frankly they there's obviously... another right handed power hitting bat in yeah. the middle of the lineup and... yeah they they,
1: they they I wonder if you we talked to Mark or Ross will they tell us they fell short of getting that that bat from the left side into the lineup. And I think they'd have to concede that because that had to be a high priority. Well, they, he, both of them told us after the season our, our, one of our biggest biggest things to worry about is we need more hitting from the left side. We yeah, do. And, they've got,
0: and they essentially got none right as of, this, as of right now. Correct. We, we got to get out of here. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. Kelly Rudy tomorrow? Kelly Rudy tomorrow. What time? I, uh, I will text you. I will text you, okay? At least once. For John Shannon and uh thanks again to JP Morosi. It's McCowan. See you tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody.